Psalm 81. Before we read it, let me point out a couple of divisions that might help. In verses 1 through 7, the psalmist is calling the people to worship. And as he refers to Old Testament types, we should understand the fulfillment of those Old Testament types with New Testament worship. But it's a call to worship. In verses 8 down through 10, 8 through 10 is describing that if they would be faithful, God would fill them and bless them. In verses 11 through 16, describe a rebellious and disobedient generation that missed God's best for their lives. And I declare to you that if you choose to disobey the commandments of God, you will lose God's best for your life, and He will not fill you with the finest wheat, but He'll bring misery and chastening your way. And so let's keep this division in mind as we read together the 81st Psalm. Let's stand together in reverence for God's Word as we read in unison. Together, sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the psaltery. Blow up the trumpet in the new moon, in the time appointed on our solemn feast day. For this was a statute for Israel and a law of the God of Jacob. This he ordained in Joseph for a testimony when he went out through the land of Egypt, where I heard a language that I understood not. I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were delivered from the pots. Thou callest in trouble, and I delivered thee. I answered thee in the secret place of thunder. I proved thee at the waters of Meribah, Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee. O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me, there shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies, and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat, and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. Amen, amen. and amen. amen. You may be seated. I hope you were able to see the call to worship.
Sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. And then with Old Testament instrumentation, take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the psaltery. There's four, three musical instruments to be used in conjunction with a psalm. The third verse is blow up the trumpet. Not just blow it, but blow it up. Lift up your voice. Lift up the call to worship with a new moon. And the event that is described here is the exodus out of Egypt. So we understand this particular holy day to be the Passover with the new moon of the first month of the Jewish calendar of the Old Testament. Because it was a statute that God gave Israel and Jacob. Verse 5, he ordained it in Joseph. He didn't ordain it in Joseph personally. He ordained it in the nation of Joseph about 200 years after Joseph. But you've noticed we've already called Israel here Jacob. He's the God of Jacob in verse 4 and refers to Joseph in verse 5. He's referring to the nation of which Joseph was one of its principal progenitors because Joseph had two of the 12 tribes himself. In the middle of verse 5, and this is this happens constantly in the Psalms, you have to be very attentive to who is speaking. Is it the psalmist to others? Is it the psalmist to God? Or is it God to the psalmist? Or is it God to Israel? And in the middle of verse 5, when it says, When he went out through the land of Egypt, you would think a singular male pronoun would refer to the last male noun. Joseph, but it isn't. That's the Lord went out. When he went out through the land of Egypt, and then it shifts from speaking of the Lord in the third person to the Lord in the first person, where I heard a language that I understood not. The Lord went into Egypt and he heard the Egyptian tongue, which was not the tongue of his people. And it goes on to say, I removed his shoulder from the burden. The Lord delivered the Israelites, the descendants of Joseph, from the burdens that the Egyptian taskmasters and Egyptian Pharaoh put on them. His hands were delivered from the pots. Thou callest in trouble, and I delivered thee. Remember the sigh and cry of the Israelites by reason of their hard bondage from the Egyptians rose up into heaven. Exodus chapters 1 and 2 tell us about it. They called, God delivered, I answered thee in the secret place of thunder. There was so much thunder and other activities that took place in the land of Israel with ten plagues brought upon that wicked, rebellious nation, and then the final killing of the firstborn and the drowning of Pharaoh and his army. And he proved them at the waters of Meribah when they went without water for a while and complained against the Lord And he showed them his power then as well. He could provide for them. That's the call to worship in verses 1 through 7, Selah. Stop at that point and consider that I've called you to worship, and that worship should be based on the fact that I delivered thee, and I provided for thee. Here are the terms of my worship, and for you to be my people. And he appeals to them in verse 8. Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee, O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me, no other gods, 
I am a jealous God, and thou shalt worship me with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Verse 10, open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Whatever you have need of, I will fill it. He fed them manna from heaven. He fed them quail. He brought them into a land flowing with milk and honey, with wells dug that they did not have to dig, vineyards planted and bearing that they did not have to plant and wait for. He blessed them abundantly. And he tells them, no other gods. So in a few days, when much of this so-called Christian nation and so many Christian churches are going to lay down before false religion on their Christ's mass holiday. We are separate, and we want to remain separate. We want to remain separate when we come to one of the next movements of the heavenly bodies at the spring equinox, while they observe their sunrise services and Easter egg hunts, we want to be separate from Venus and all the other gods of the pagans that gave rise to these holy days. They don't know what they're worshiping, but that doesn't excuse them. Because the Lord said that when the Gentiles worship idols, they don't know that they're worshiping the devil. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10. David had the best of intentions of worshiping the Lord, but he tried to worship the Lord with a new ox cart prepared for the Ark of the Covenant, but it wasn't good enough for the Lord who had given commandment and testified that I want my Ark of the Covenant moved by staves on the shoulders of the priests. Good intentions do not cover evil actions. We want to be faithful. And that is why we separate ourselves from this nation and its practices and from most so-called Christians and their practices. Though many of them have their names written in the book of life, we believe that with all our heart and the testimony of Scripture, they are sorely mistaken and heretical in their acceptance of those holidays. I am the Lord thy God, there is no other. It's not Saturn. I am the Lord. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. He can fill it with the good things of the earth. He who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord is able. But notice what we read about this church of the Old Testament. Verse 11, But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. He showed them his power in delivering them, and you will have cause to reflect on this again regarding yourself. He showed them his power in delivering them out of Egypt. He offered to provide for them, and he did water at Meribah, and he provided so much in the land of Canaan. Yet, that 11th verse is so horrible, they wouldn't hearken to his voice. They would none of him. They wanted their own way. So he gave them up. The worst thing that can ever happen to you is God giving you what you want if that want is different than the worship of the Lord God. He will give you your heart's desire to show you that your heart's desire is depraved, deceitful, and desperately wicked and will corrupt your existence on the earth. 
You do not want your heart's desire until God changes your heart's desire. When the Bible says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Notice what kind of a man is getting the desires of his heart. The man who delights in the Lord. And a man who delights in the Lord has different desires in his heart than men who don't delight in the Lord. There are some men that find a verse like that in the Bible and think, Oh, goody, goody, let's kneel down and pray so that I can get the desires of my heart. But a man who delights in the Lord is praying for very different things. He doesn't care about the automobile in the garage or the square footage of his house. He doesn't care about his title on the job, nor his income, nor his retirement. All he wants to do is dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the Lord will grant him his desire. I gave them up to their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Do you know what some of the... Let me take the worst example of this. Let me, I'll give you two. A simple one was quail. They got tired of manna. If you had free food to eat every day, would you be happy with it? Or would you get tired of it? Because you had to go outside and pick it up every morning from the manna man, from the God of heaven who rained it on the ground. They got tired of manna. They begged for quail. He gave them their heart's desire. Three feet deep, 20 miles in every direction. They bulldozed it up into piles the size of pyramids. And while they had it between their teeth, God struck them dead. He gave them their heart's desire. You know what it says in Psalm 106? He sent leanness into their soul. No fat. You want fat and marrow in your soul. That is when you're rejoicing in the Lord, when there's fatness there. And you're rejoicing in the good things. A lean cut of meat is not good to eat. A fat, fatty cut of meat that is well marbled is a good cut of meat. But the Lord will send leanness into our soul. He'll turn your heart into a round steak when it could be a ribeye filled with marrow and fatness and well marbled. If you get your desire, He will give you sometimes the prosperity of fools, Proverbs 1 describes. But then if He gives you the heart of a fool, what a terrible trade you have made. The worst case of this 12th verse is when God allowed the Jews to consider, to accept, and to teach and practice child sacrifice. And the book of Ezekiel tells us that those commandments came from God. Because they had chosen not to worship God according to the Bible, but they wanted to worship God according to the heathen, God encouraged them along and allowed them to run into child sacrifice. And so they did it. There is no sin too low, too heinous, that you would not commit if God withdraws His grace and power from your life and turns you over to your heart's lust. Verse 13, look at the exclamation point at the end of the 13th verse before you read it so that you understand the emphasis that God is giving. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me and Israel had walked in my ways. I never intended... It did not enter into my mind that I would give them their heart's desire. In verse 12, I had intended to be their benevolent father and benefactor and fill their mouths with good things. Oh, that they would have taken heed to me. Verse 14, I should soon have subdued their enemies. I wouldn't have taken long. They would have been victorious in battle. I would have turned my hand against their adversaries. And when God turns his hand against your adversaries, you don't have any 
any longer. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him. That is to Jacob. But their time should have endured forever. Israel would have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. This, under terms of an agricultural people, is describing God's best and God's blessing upon people who are worshiping Him. But they refused Him. They didn't want the Word of God. They wanted their own bitterness. They wanted their own ideas of life. They wanted their own lifestyle. They wanted their own friendship with the world. And therefore God turned to be their enemy. And they missed His best. God's best for your life is offered in the Word of God and through the Gospel. Believe and obey. There's no other way, as we sing in one of our songs, to trust and obey. That's when you'll realize the best for your life. To the degree you compromise the Word of God, to the degree you cheat with God's statutes and commandments, you cheat yourself from these blessings. This is the word of the Lord. We've been called to worship. He's delivered us from a greater enemy than Egypt. He's delivered us from sin, just condemnation, and a future in the lake of fire. He has offered us the fellowship of his own dear son. And he offers to take care of us in every way from our enemies. So that we may boldly say, this is New Testament, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What shall man do unto me? May the Lord bless the reading of his word. And may every one of you humble yourselves before it. You cheat, compromise on God's commandments, and you cheat yourself of God's best for your life. Israel was given as a great example of it, and three quarters of your Bible is spent on that rebellious people and how they lost God's best for their life. Let it not be said of us. Amen.